Okay, so I just need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. This test determines your emotional response, so I need you to be, you know, as answer uh, answer with your first instincts. Okay. Uh, you uh, you are walking along in a desert. Wait, wait, what desert? Doesn't matter, just a desert. Okay. And you are you see our dog Sparky. Why is Sparky in the desert? Who knows why he does anything. You flip Sparky on his back. I flip him on his back. You flip him on his back. I, I, you know, why? Why did you do this? I I don't know. Why you're would looking, I? Do- you're you're, you're looking you're looking at his horrible chicken like kicking body. It looks like the Peter Gabriel video to Sledgehammer. His knees are knocked together. His horrendous genitals are just out and pink. It's it's terrifying. His his nude hairless body looks like a tiny, uh, swarthy Mediterranean man. So I'm I'm. You, so, you watch him. You don't help him. He's I don't, kicking. I don't he's help kicking. him. He's kicking. Now he's complaining. He's just growling. He wants to get on the bed. You don't want. You don't want him on the bed. No. He'll pee. He'll pee. He'll on, pee. He'll pee on the bed. He'll pee on the bed. Okay, you're showing empathy for Sparky, which means you're definitely not human. Damn. Thought I had you there. Made in Space. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm John Walter. And we are a married couple showing each other the 80s movies of our childhood. And today's are, episode is... We are doing 1982's sci-fi noir thriller sort of action but not really philosophical movie uh, Blade Runner. Yes. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott based off of the uh, Philip K. Dick novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, and uh, is it really? I didn't know that. Yes, yes, oh. yes. Oh. And uh, I actually read that in college uh, for a, a sci-fi literature class. Interesting. Later, okay. Which also made me read Robert Heinlein. So you know, <clears throat> stupid class. How dare you? Stupid class. How dare you hook me with uh, you know the thing? Anyway, it, you know, it also has Rutger Hauer, Sean Young, Edward James Olmos, uh, M. Emmett Walsh, who we've seen oh, on stage M. recently. Oh, Emmett Walsh, I love and, him uh, so. That guy who played Larry. Uh, out of Larry, Daryl, and Daryl fame uh, from the TV show New Heart, um, and a bunch of other people whose yeah. names I will not. Oh, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. You know, and some other people, I'm sure. They, they probably had other actors. Oh, so, James Hong. James Hong is in it. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I know you're going to go into your whole spiel, McGill, and I guess we could also go and we should also probably do our elevator pitch. Yeah, we should, I, and I, we <laughs> should also clarify which cut. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah. But before we even go there, I would like to point out that this is our 24th episode uh-huh. of MMIS. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually very, you know, yeah, I'm actually so. excited about the fact that we have our 20th. 20- two dozen. Two dozen down. Yeah, man. You know, and this is mo- pretty good. And it, this one's probably only going to be a couple of days late after the last one was like Years a month late. late. Yeah. Um, um, oh, look, your phone's going off again. Yeah. Funny, <laughs> I think that was actually for you. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was. Really? Yeah. Hi, Courtney. Yeah. Why are you texting me? She said something about draw three, two, one animation. I think oh. it was, oh, really okay. think it was about you, not oh, about okay. me. Wow. Well, fine. <clears throat> I guess I'm. I guess I'm the jerk. <laughs> oh, so oh, oh, and music by Vangelis. When I was going through all the information, oh we right, definitely put that in. Put that in. Mention that. So, so we'll do our. I, I, I like. I think you definitely should. Let's just like plan this out just a little bit. I know we don't normally do this, but y'all. <laughs> 
first of all, this was a movie that that John showed me. I'd never seen Blade Runner. I've been. I don't hearing, think anyone's surprised that I'm the one who saw right, Blade Runner. Right. I but I've been meaning to see this movie since very very closely to after it came out and all of my friends in high school told me you have to go see this you have to go see this it's like you know it's a total mind i can say fuck you can say fuck i forgot we're explicit um it's a total mind fuck you have to go see it you have to go see it so it's one of those movies that has been built up in my hi you gotta go in the swear jar damn it um he's not awake uh so you know i i knew i wanted to see it but it's been like oh well i don't know it's a lot everybody always said it's a long movie and i think that always sort of was like i don't feel like a long movie i don't know why it's so stupid but it did and also i kept hearing exactly what john's going to explain right now is that you have to see the quote and i'm literally doing air quotes the right cut of this film which is something i'm not gonna i i'm gonna dispute slightly yeah it's fine there are better cuts to see than others but like you know like you know but like there i think you can watch any of the cuts will have at least most of the movie intact well across the board and when you brought it up after we watched it and you were telling me about the different cuts the one thing i do remember being told and actually remember the person who told me this she said i don't care what you do i don't care what who shows it to you but if your first experience is watching it with the narration you're going to yeah. lose everything. She which is you don't want to see it with Which is ironic because for the 80s-ness of this podcast, technically that was the only version available mm-hmm. until 1992. Yeah, well, she, that, right. I was in so, high so, school. So in, in theory, in, in theory, I am, I, we are kind of doing a movie out of time. Well-ish. Sort of. Um, I guess, uh, do, do you want to get into the convoluted cut history of Blade Runner for the three people who may not, uh, you know, know what it is who listen to this podcast? Yes, let's do that. Or do you want to do the elevator pitch first? Let's do, the, let's do the cut history and then we can do, go the, we can do, do the movie. Because, okay. you know, I, I doubt either of us are going to have a very good pitch for this because it's a hard movie to, to, to visualize. <laughs> yeah. um, so basically, when the movie Blade Runner first was made, you know, I, and Lord knows, like, I'm sure there was a convoluted history of actually, you know, getting it to film. I... I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Philip K. Dick was fully aware that the rights had been purchased or something. You know, towards the end of his life, Philip K. Dick was a very paranoid man who had done a lot of drugs and uh, had suffered, I believe, some, from some mental illness. So I believe he, you know, he was known to be, he was probably a little delusional towards the end of his life, and I think he was very paranoid. And so I, I'm sure all of that buildup was great, <laughs> you know, great fun for, for, for setting the movie up in the first place. Uh, but... Um, as it was made, um, they, sh- they, they showed an early cut, uh, as known as, I believe it's known as the work print, uh, was the first thing shown to uh, some test audiences. Test audiences did not like the fact that the ending was ambiguous and they, could, they found it hard to follow. So the studio uh, really, really stepped in hard on this and uh, ordered a bunch of changes. And uh, basically it was recut to like, they, they, cut, they cut a bunch of the violence out uh, because apparently, like a lot of the violence made people squeamish, uh, they basically then they added this all these narration scenes and they added a happy ending uh, because the ambiguous ending of the original movie they they didn't care for. So they basically through narration you we we get to learn you know like and and the narration is like and I, I I've only seen like I know I've seen parts of the original Blade Runner. I may have seen the whole thing like when I was younger on TV. I remember seeing it in the eighties, so I know I saw it. But I don't know if I saw the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember. All I remember <clears throat> is the narration is terrible. Yeah, it's very like. Is I mean, we joke. We joke about Harrison Ford phoning in stuff. Yeah. You know, like that's a that's a common joke with him. But uh, it does sound very phoned in, and uh, he's he's defended uh, his performance uh, of, of that as 
it's just bad narration. I didn't want to do it in the first place. You know, I did it as be- as good as I could. Right. But it's you're not going to make good narration out of uh, you know like for this. You know, I mean, I do understand. And in, in one defense, you know, since it is kind of a, a sci-fi noir, having like the detective narrate the story has like that old school like she came into my office. You know, her legs came. You know. From, like, her legs came from the floor to the ground. I don't know. I'm not very good with uh, right. with, uh, with narration for um, for games. Yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, it's funny. I'm a She's huge. Quite a I'm, a, I'm a huge Raymond Chandler fan. Uh, you know, mostly for the you know casual racism and homophobia. But um, I, you know, the metaphors, I, I I can't come up with them off the top of my head. Um, but uh, so that that was the theatrical cut. Um, then uh, you know, basically at a tenth anniversary showing, I think, or or maybe maybe a little earlier than that. Uh, at some LA film festival, they showed the work print ver- version, and like it was like kind of the 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 bell of the ball of that festival. Everyone was like, "Oh, this is such a better b- version of the movie," right? You know, and so and that, it was starting to get bootlegged out. Like people were sitting it out as a director's cut, mm. which it wasn't technically. It was a work print. Ridley Ridley Scott wasn't done with the movie when it was shown in the first place. Mm. So in 1992, uh, a guy working with the, the studio was authorized to create a director's cut based on Ridley Scott's notes. Um, and Ridley Scott gave it approval, but it really wasn't a director's cut. It was right. actually someone else's cut. Oh, and also in that intervening time, there was also two other versions. There was the international version, which is kind of like the theatrical version, but it's longer, has more, more of the violent scenes are put back in. And then there's the, the television cut, which... Probably was the one I saw because there was large chunks of the '80s that I didn't have cable. Right. Where the you know the violence was cut, a lot of the violence was excised, and they obviously got rid of any you know like they you know took out the edited nudity, for, edited for TV. Yeah. Took out the nudity, you know, which you know because I'd forgotten there was nudity in this, even though I owned the ostensible director's cut for years on VHS. Uh, so in '92, that director's cut, that ostensible director's cut, came out, and then. Some years later, and that director's cut was missing. Some, they had some missing footage that they couldn't use. They, the, the famous unicorn dream sequence uh, was originally supposed to be done with it shows a unicorn running across in his dream, and it cut, keeps cutting at Deckard's face and back to the unicorn into his face and back to the unicorn. In the that the director's cut in quotes, you just see the unicorn running without the intercuts because that that footage was apparently missing or something. But apparently, they recovered a lot of the the footage. They remastered it, and that was put out in the final cut, which is the version we actually watched. I, I literally feel like somebody's just given me heroin because I'm like, I cannot I know. follow. There's this. actually a five disc version of Blade Runner that has like, like I think the theatrical, the work, the the theatrical cut, the uh, the international cut, the director's cut, the final cut, and I don't know, there might be one other one. Dang, you know, the one that maybe maybe one that where everyone has clown noses on or I something. Mean... But yeah, it's a very convoluted. The, the history of Blade Runner is as convoluted as the movie itself, basically. Yeah. So, so we, we ended up watching the final cut. Yeah. Which the main differences are it's got well, it has all the violence. It's been remastered. It's got the dream sequence correctly done, and there's a and and there's a few shots that are used instead of the shots used in the theatrical cut. The, some of the shots were longer shots, and they use more close ups or things like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, essentially. Ultimately, the meat of the movie is the same, other than the stupid narration is really terrible, and the happy ending is it kind of guts the part. So we don't see those parts. We don't see the happy ending. We don't see the, yeah, you, the narration. We, we don't see hear the, the narration. I can't even know. remember how the happy ending looks. I just yeah. know there's a happy ending that basically says that Sean Young's character is, you know, oh, she's okay. She doesn't. Right. She's not subject to the the decay rule that all the other replicants have. Right. Um, so okay, huh. uh, why don't you elevator pitch this sucker? Okay. 
we get Harrison Ford. He's great in Star Wars, right? He's yeah. great as Indiana Jones. What if we combine his two characters, make him kind of a sci-fi action PI, only get this, he hunts kind of like robots, but not. And then maybe he's a robot, but maybe he's not. Great. Also, Daryl Hannah does somersaults. So, no, it's, it's actually, she does flips, but you're close. Look, this is just a pitch. Maybe they, maybe they write. Maybe you, you write. You change the script. You add somersaults. I'm fine with that. Yeah. You want to, you want to do somersaults? That's great. And my flips instead of somersaults. That's great. Mine, mine. She was a tumbler. Yeah. You know. But if you want her to be something else, that's great. It's good. Good job. Good job. Well done. All right. Let me see. You, you pitch me then. Okay. Um, I don't know why I was like, I gotta do this thing. I know. <laughs> no. It's so weird. Um, okay. Take Harrison Ford. Put him in a DeLorean. Mm-hmm. In the future. Um, and shove him into Tokyo. And Instead then of Tokyo, can we make it LA, but just make it look like Chinatown everywhere? Sure, that sounds good. Okay. And then and then uh, and then make cryptic origami. Oh yeah. And lots of robots. Oh, I love cryptic origami. I saw them. They opened up for the Talking Heads <laughs> in 1981. It's at Max's Kansas City. It was great. It's great. Um, so that's yeah. a good band name, Cryptic yeah. Origami. Yeah. So uh, it is a it is a, it is a movie that doesn't. It kind of defies short no, description of. So so I'm, I'm sure the elevator pitch was uh, you know was was more like a long standing. I bet hey, they had a whole Philip lunch. K. Dick sci-fi and all yeah. that. We had a, they had a whole lunch about it. Yeah, so, um, there was a treatment. So yeah, yeah, there had so, been. So so here's what I'm gonna suggest, because um, this movie, it doesn't really work linearly. I mean, yeah. the, it, it has a plot, but it's like the plot well, it's, is so it's, simple. It, it, it can, is actually like a Raymond Chandler novel in that, like, to be honest, if you ask me to summarize the plot from memory without looking at something, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it. I've read, I've I've actually read. Most Raymond Chandler novels, at least twice, but you pick any one of them and, and tell me what 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 was even what is even the the point of it. Like, well, what I can was do the, what's that, the scheme? Though. No, I'm just saying oh, that oh. I would not remember. Right. I, like, so I like I get it. Like, well, there's a, so a much... part of the part of the thing of the noir is it's less it's less the actual plot and more the twists and turns yes, and the way the exactly. character discovers so, like, it. Every, it's more the feel of everything so, around. So I mean, if we were to take it like in one of my classes. The teacher has us distill everything down to one sentence. The basic. <laughs> That's like, not good for us. No, <laughs> we're not good at that. <laughs> no, we're not good at that. But the idea, but like, what are the most salient, most important things about this? And I think you can kind of do that as far as what's going on. But the more, but what's interesting about the movie is that we don't, we don't know where it's going to end up. So we're 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 in the tunnel with him going twists and turning, and we, we yeah. are using. So here you've got. Um, from our perspective, from what we know as the as yeah. the as the audience, we have a I, I don't want to say retired, but for lack of a better word, retired cop, right, who is sucked back in because he has yeah, retired for this movie is a very poor choice. Yes, it's a good point. That's a really good point. But okay, right. In so, fact, in fact, the movie actually begins with a, a scroll of information mm-hmm. about the idea that. Because otherwise you'd never be able to get it from context clues. Right. That, you know, in this, in the year is 2019. The distant future of 2019. Right. You know, Donald Trump has been president for three years now. Stop it. Uh, he's built all these ziggurats in L.A. Stop it. Um, there's, a, there's a corporation called the Tyrrell Corporation or Tyrell, Tyrell. Corporation. I keep wanting to call it Tyrell. You do and you're wrong. I think it's because I, I, that's how I would say the assassin from Richard III. Oh. Okay. John Tyrrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, killed the 
Children of the Tower. Richard Rapunzel. the Third. Richard yeah. the Third. It's a it's a play by Shakespeare mm-hmm. about the King of England. Mm-hmm. The third king named Richard. Yeah, he's a humpback. Yeah, not Richard one. That was the Lionheart. Not Richard two. That was the poetic one. Richard the Third, which is the last Richard because he people didn't like him. That was the Winter River discontent. Discon- wow, I should stop drinking. Now, no, you should keep drinking until you remember. Now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by this son of York. Yes. People always stop it with "now is the winter of our discontent," and that bothers me. Because it's that's true because it line. isn't the that's whole line. The line. You're right; that's it's not, not the, the line whole means. line. It's also not lead on McDuff. Damn it! You heard me, Dad. If you ever listen to this podcast, which I know you don't, your dad's not gonna listen to this podcast. He always misquotes that; drives me crazy. Um, Neither so, of our fathers. So basically, we live in this, this future podcast. where the where the where the where the the Terrell Corporation creates these. These replicants, these modeled, these these like artificially generated human beings, basically. These AIs. You know, you know. what they say eyes. These AIs artificial. Oh, AIs. These yeah. AIs. Okay, I thought you said they say eyes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they create these guys, and they're basically kind of slaves. Mm-hmm. You basically sit, they they're they're not allowed on Earth after like there was a rebellion or something. I can't remember the specifics of that, but they're not allowed on Earth. They will be killed instantly if they come to Earth, you know. So they are, you know, they 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 are only allowed in the off-world colonies, you know, because in this future we actually have colonies, uh, you know, off of off of Earth. We right. have space, lots of space flight. Okay, you but know. before you like, okay, you're it, okay. Let me just let me just point my point out. His point is that replicants were created when they after this whole big thing goes down. They have to get rid of them. So when they were getting rid of them, and I literally mean killing them, they called it retiring them. So right. when I made that comment about retiring yeah, a retired was... cop, that was where he was leading with yeah. this. My, but my point is that you have the, the basic premise of this movie is you have a, out, a, a pr- previously- The guy who's worked, out of the game. He's out of the game. Gets sucked back in because he's so good at what he does. And he, he discovers does. a big, you know- this vast, uncaring, you know, like, awfulness of this society, you know, mm-hmm. which is a noir thing. Right, but the point is that he gets pulled back in, he didn't want to do it, now he's back in because he's the best at what he does, and there's four... What is he, Wolverine? Yeah, there's four replicants left that have come back. Yeah, yeah there were six there replicants. Were six that six came replicants back. Stole, stole a ship, yeah. uh, killed some people, they were going to Earth, uh, they're obviously trying to invade the Terrell Corporation, we assume... They are assuming to get revenge or do something. Right. You know, two of them were killed by the electric fence. There are four remaining. Yeah, two men, two women. Two men, two women. So, uh, and he had, and there's a there's a test that's that they take, which mm-hmm. is essentially from the beginning of this podcast. Mm-hmm. You heard yeah, John we, giving we to me. That's that's the test. What's the void comp. The void comp. Void test. Comp it's, test. It's, it's it's a test of empathy and responses. And they use the eyes. They, like, to they, see they, they scan the eyes. In right. fact, that's kind of. The, that's the beginning of the movie, really, is it begins with a... Uh... Well, wait, we'll get there. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, I just want to kind of, like, set it up and then... Because here's the thing. I really feel like this movie is not one that you can, like, walk through all the pieces of the movie. I feel like we have to, like, okay, here's essentially the, the basis of the movie, and then we got to talk about... Then we can go through the twists and turns. But we don't have to do it in a linear chronological order. Otherwise, I think it's going to, like... I never try to do it in a linear chronological okay. order. You're the one so who always gets upset when I, no, when I, when I go it's upset. not. No, because this one you just cannot. But anyway, so he, out of work, test going to administer to find these people to these replicants and he's successful in his endeavor of finding all of the replicants um plus one and the one that he the extra one that he this is like the most boring way to tell the story okay but we're gonna get back to it basically basically by the end of it he finds all the replicants 
but he also learns a lot about what the replicants are and, ha- and there's a lot yeah. of questions about the well, nature we'll of what he's that. doing but the and extra why one is the, is the important part because she she's she's never she's been living it without knowing and they don't know how long she's been around right yeah that's that that we can probably get to I, yeah. i'm saying yeah, i'm yeah, saying yeah. i don't know why you're bringing this up well now. because of how it ends right yeah so well why so, are you bringing up how it no- I am I'm very not, confused about why we're talking about the ending now. I just wanted to take us through the whole... Okay, well, I'm, take, I'm saying the whole thing is... We could take it a whole thing in one sentence, basically. Okay. We already did We did the whole thing. Okay, okay. That, that, okay now we can go fine. back and actually start, like... Fine, 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 Do fine. all the, like, do squiggly thing. details. Do your thing. Yeah. Talk. I'm just... So, like, you know, the movie basically begins... Um, the movie basically begins with... What are you doing, squinty weirdo? No, you, like, re- reached out to, to smack I was me. Pointing, I was pointing dramatically at well, you. okay, I was listening, though. I mean, I don't <laughs> the, know why you did the that. The movie basically begins... I don't know why you did that to me. The beautiful strains of Vangelis playing, like, their, <laughs> like their minimalist new wave... New, new age, not new wave. New age uh, keyboards. Okay. You know, it's a, you know, Vangelis has done all sorts of soundtrack stuff. I'm 99% sure they did the Chariots of Fire theme, which... It's one of those things that was ubiquitous as a joke in the 80s for anyone running, and you never really hear about that movie ever now. Um, you know, but, you hear about the theme. That's all you dun, hear about. Dun, 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 yeah, I know. Dun, dun. Oh, honey, it's okay. It's, you keep trying. Oh, You like to make fun of me about the music thing because it makes you feel better about the fact that I'm interesting. <laughs> yeah. we're, having a, we're, having a, we're having a bitterness about this. I don't for some think reason. so. I mean, I'm not bitter at all. Yeah. So, so, anyway, so anyway, yeah, Trump's building yes. ziggurats uh, in the middle of L.A., <laughs> Yeah, I think we should go back and actually, because we're no, so No, we deployed. definitely need the beginning. No, part. no, no, no. Oh. Let me finish the sentence. I think we should go back and actually talk about the fa- the influence of this movie oh, yeah. first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this movie really, like, it's a very divisive movie uh-huh. as far as, like, whether it's a really good movie, a really bad movie, yes. a boring movie, uh, you know, whatever. But, like, it's almost impossible to deny that it is massively influential on the aesthetics mm-hmm. and feel of, like, yeah. sci-fi movies basically from 1982 on well that was my point when i made the comment about because because the freaking back to the future doesn't come up until 85 86 right yeah so hello delorean hello well, to be, to be fair the delorean is a real car no it I just know. looks like a space no car. but they used something that looked like yeah. the delorean well, in this yeah. movie right yeah but i, I was actually talking points. more about something that's a little more i think bigger than that i'm not right. talking like i'm talking about the fact that from since blade runner you almost all 99 percent of sci-fi movies are dark mm-hmm. they're like like l- not l- i don't mean dark as in themes but that, you mean that dark can, as in color. like it's like it's it's like everything's night there's lights everywhere like neon is everywhere there's screens going on there's like random fires in the corner everything's wet and rainy you know people in like long coats or like it's it's very it's like like i guess the, the like, like the cyberpunk aesthetic you know, the of, style. Of, of movies and, and sci-fi movies in general owe so much to this movie. Yeah. It's like before that, like, I mean, you look at like movies before that that are in the sci-fi realm. You got your Star Treks, your Star Warses, your, you know, your black, Disney's the black hole. You know, you've got Planet of the Apes. They're well lit. Mm-hmm. They're well lit. Star Wars isn't as clean, but you know, like it's more of a clean, everything's clean. You know, everything's very space age. This is a movie set in the future where everything's still grimy and shitty and very Earth-like. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's off-world colonies. And, and the, the, implication is, the implication of this movie is everything's run by big corporations. Mm-hmm. You feel it. The streets are full of, you know, like most mostly poverty it's 42nd and 42nd Street today. Yeah, like, yeah. Or well, Tokyo was my joke because yeah. it really is. 40, 42nd Street today? No, 42nd Street in the 80s. 
Forty-second well, Street today is pretty clean. It's got Disney. It's got the Disney. Sorry, theater. no, I meant sorry. I meant with the bright lights and all the on screens all oh, yeah. over. The, oh that's yeah, what I, was I would say about. that. I would say in a lot of ways it did predict the way cities actually are going to look. Yeah, like, they did really didn't really have that. those moving, you know, like like screens that like showed images of ads. You know, like they were more like billboards still back then. But like yeah, it's like that, that Times Square, like every but everything looks like Times Square, and everything's like garish and but dark, you know. It, it's you know, there's just like like there's midgets everywhere too. There's just little people like everywhere. Have you noticed that there's extras yeah, like tons of little people? You just sorry, you're like you're looking at me like I'm the worst person on earth. What are you talking about? I'm listening to you. You're I know talking. you're listening to me. Of course you're listening. You're listening with contempt. I'm really not. Oh, don't get defensive. Oh, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm, try- I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to smile here. You, listen- you look so sad. I'm sorry. I'm listening. I'm, I'm not I'm giving you con- sangria anymore I'm before the podcast. I'm concentrating. I'm literally just concentrating on what you're saying. I'm not. I, I promise you there was no so, yeah, it's like, anger it, in my heart. So it's like a present. It's like a present day, but like dark, which like you didn't really see in a lot of sci-fi movies before this. You didn't right. see this like, you know, like there's no, it, it doesn't have a hope that the future is going to be this great place. Uh, like, like. I mean, not not that Star Wars is in the future, yeah. you know, like or a great place, but like it doesn't have that Star Trek feel or you know any of a number of other sci-fi movies feel of like progress in science. It mm-hmm. it it, it kind of shows like, and I think weirdly enough, like it's almost a spiritual cousin in some ways of Futurama, where it's like everything's better in some ways, but people are still horrible and shitty and petty, right. you know. And it's got like it's got this like nastiness and grime everywhere. And one thing is like yeah, there's this weird multiculturalism of L.A. But it does so at the expense of like no one's really happy either, you know. Like, I I think what's what what this movie does really well and sets up in a really lovely way, and probably um, yes, we're we're going through the twists and the turns, and we we don't actually expect that we're gonna see what happens later on. We kind of expect we're because we they set us up with the enemy very quickly. Like we think we yeah. know who the enemy is. Yeah, the movie is. actually is not set up. The movie's not real. The movie's set up to be a very simple, like it's like a, a sci-fi. It's like, it's set up to be like a thriller. It's it's yeah. set up to be yeah. like, your mission is to stop these horrible robot monsters. Not really robots, but like for better right, word. Like right. these, these ant, like these replicants, you know, they can the hide. anti-humans. Well, yeah. they can hide in plain sight. You don't yeah. know where they are. Yeah. And they, you know, it takes a very complicated test to right. even tell but they're not they're not really people and they're monsters right. they're like you know they have super superhuman abilities you know you know like so he's like the you know it's like the hero cop out to stop these criminals right. and then they but as the, to... as it goes on it just unfolds into this isn't what you think it is it's not really an action movie right it's not real it, it's it is more again it's a noir story it's a it's it's more you, just learning you think you know what you're walking into it as far as the things that you're going to hang your hat on in what I mean by that is the very basis of what you were saying, the good versus the evil. Who is the good? Who is the evil? But you really don't. <clears throat> and you learn that as the as the movie goes on. Also, we have the person who, and person I say in quotes, who who tr- who like throws that whole thing on its ear, sort of like when the when the hero falls in love with some part, some some one faction of the villain. Because they're not really yeah. villains, but they're part of that team. Right. Like that's the Sean Young you the, situation. You got the femme fatale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the femme yeah. fatale is a weird femme fatale because she's actually just as lost as he exactly. is. Exactly. And so there's all these little pieces that, and then you don't know. Well, then as you go further into the plot, and we'll get there. But there, <clears throat> who really is? Who are the villains here? I mean, are we really making a statement about corporations and what they've done and how yeah. they've 
trying to be okay so that whole dystopia and the whatever but what what i think actually um i personally love about this movie and i gotta tell you like this is a thing for me this is a personal thing for me because when we finished this movie i was like actually even during the movie i kept saying things like i what the fuck are you making me watch what the fuck is this shit i, I don't even understand what i'm watching it's making me crazy like it was almost frustrating for me to watch yeah, this it was, movie it was so, it, you know it, it, it was weird like your response like like during the movie was more what I expected your response to be during Repo Man. Interesting. Like I expected so, you to be more like that for Repo Man, which is again arguably a stranger movie. Yeah. You know, and le- even less linear because if you Blade Runner has a coherent plot, it's just it moves slow and you and it doesn't spoon feed. I think that's why I was frustrated. Is I was like, w- why is this moving so slow? This is supposed to. This is a pretty simple idea of what's going on. Something better happen, and I don't understand. I guess I was frustrated because like there were times when he figured it out, like the replicants and I was like, why don't I understand that? Like, why does he understand it? I don't understand why he figured it out. Like, I I felt like the movie was too smart for me at times and that was making me psychotic because I'm pretty good at movies like that. However, what a movie like this does for me, someone like me who like loves puzzles and loves to figure shit out, especially when I don't quite figure it out, is it turns into a, for lack of a better term, um, it turns into a, like a, a movie grenade for me. So yeah. like the next day, the day yeah, after, you start thinking about the day it. after that, the day after that, it's just, it's bugging me, not bugging me even, because like I've, I, got, I get it, but I keep thinking about it. I've got, I've got these like scenes replaying. I've got, and it's not even like satisfying it wouldn't necessarily, watching the movie doesn't necessarily satisfy it more than showing the movie to another person mm-hmm. satisfies it because then I'm watching with them but I'm also catching things that I didn't catch before. Right. I love movies like that. I really, I personally, I'm yeah. like, I'm obsessed with stuff like that. If you've talked to me for 10 minutes about films, I, I literally cannot talk about, I, I can't talk about films and not talk about Jacob's Ladder and Jacob's Ladder does the same thing. I knew you were going to do that by the way because I do know you. I know, that's I was, like, she, I was like, should I mention Jacob's Ladder first to cut her off and, nope. and, and annoy her? No. Or should I let her play it out? <laughs> yeah, play it out. Because that movie, to this day, and I've seen that movie 15, 20 times. I, I mean, to this day, I am, I go, I go in watching that movie with the same feeling that I think I will have about this movie, where I, it's like the little pieces that, that right. are so, they're not even Easter eggs. Like, I wouldn't even call them that. They're just these little, like, beautiful moments that you go, oh shit like ah yeah and you know but they don't and it's like a it's like a lovely it's almost like a scavenger hunt for you yeah it's it's, a lovely thing right yeah i like movies like that yeah i I think i think part of the uh but they piss me off when i'm watching them right first time and it's funny it's funny that you mentioned jacob's ladder because that's a movie that really hilariously enough i feel like has one interpretation and it is an obvious interpretation but there's a lot of people who don't seem to get it yes whereas i think this movie is very Mm open-ended You know, like there is a, there, there, there are two completely opposing interpretations of the unicorn at the end, you know, that I, I, you know, like either one could be very accurate and we'll, we'll get into that later, Mm. you know, so I, 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 it is a very ambiguous movie. And I think, I think the thing about the movie is you have, if you go in expecting it to be an exciting movie and it has exciting moments. Yeah, it does. Like the, the last, like the last final, like confrontation between Batty and Deckard is, it's tension. It's a lot of tension, you know, and it's a different kind of tension that's been in the rest of the movie. You know, oh wow, I just made a Buzzcocks reference uh, allusion by mistake, but um, but that's another music in a different kitchen. Um, you know, um, but it is a it is a very like 
different tension than the rest of the movie. Because yeah. most of the movie, the tension is a paranoia. Hmm. You know, it's a, what is going on? How, is this a conspiracy? How deep does it run? Like, in some ways, it isn't that deep a conspiracy so much as it's just, you know, it's just a matter of not knowing that, like, in most more, the, 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 the dark secret is, like, something that goes way up, usually. There's usually a lot of people in, like, positions of power that aren't telling something, that have committed horrible, sinful crimes, you know, like, even, even in, like, a noir parody, like, uh, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? You know, where it's like, you know, like this simple, this simple, like, divorce case in in Hollywood ends up masking a scheme to destroy a community to build a freeway, mm-hmm. you know, which is obviously a big China, you've never seen it, but it is a big, big time Chinatown uh, reference in, 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 in storyline, even if it's not the exact plot point, you know, but, but it like this, but this movie is really, the secret is more, it's more internal. It's like, it's more about like discovering the nature of what, is real and what is human and like the layers keep coming off and it's like who's really heroic in this and is anyone heroic right you know and i i would i would argue that no one in this movie ends up really being a hero well and again there's this idea of implanting ideas as well yeah, as implanting like what, yeah what dreams is this? and ide- yeah. And my point is like if you look at mm at walsh's character um, as the you know chief, if you will, of the Blade Runners. Blade Runners are the cops. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he plays he, basically the, the, the he plays a very old school like yeah. police, you know, like the hardened drinking you know drunk police chief right. guy. But my point is this: that like with that character and with that thing, even though we don't, he's untrustworthy ish. We still trust him. Like they under the the setup that we have in our society is that that even if even if the cops are you know we, we they don't they don't tell us this or we don't set that up that the cops are bad but they've implanted the idea that these replicants are coming back for destruction and mayhem and we we believe that yeah we believe it because because that's well that's what we're supposed that's to that's what believe. we've been told by the like that the, the, by the authority well there was an and and the, the beginning of the movie even tells us that yes. due to a due to a you know an incident yeah you know like yeah, and it, it like there's this whole thing of well, you know, they they have this four year lifespan. It's you know it's built in. It's in, because because if they live longer, they get psychologically unbalanced, you know. So they have like a self destruct. They have, like basically their body their bodies just wear out. Yeah, you know, and they, you know, and, and you know like, you know, and I, I think most decent human beings watching this will immediately think, like, there's some moral issues here. But like the movie, the movie kind of downplays that these people don't think about it. You know, it helps. It helps. It gets you in their mindset. Well, and you don't know at the very top, and I think this is also important that there's any empathy or human emotion. Right. Like, yeah, you're. You're. The whole test is like you find that they're devoid of empathy. They're devoid of like, like caring for other humans. So you know, it's okay that they're like slaves because they don't. They don't care. It's like it's that. It's kind of that idea of like they're kind of like worker ants. Right. But as the movie goes on, we start to see big cracks in that armor first and foremost when you know like the first thing he does at like you know after like basically in the beginning you see another cop giving the void camp test to leon which is one of the replicants but you don't know yet you know and he asks him all these questions about a turtle on its back and all these other things and like leon ends up shooting him because right. it, like he obviously knows that he's going to fail this test and he shoots the guy who like actually survives if you catch a line of dialogue they they, they actually mention to decker De- when deckard's brought in 
that it like you know like you know he's breathing through a, like he's breathing through a machine but yeah. you know like you know but he is he is technically he didn't actually kill him but he did shoot him through a wall yeah you know and uh then run off i guess you know it's kind of impressive that he managed to run out of the like the Tyrrell, because like basically what the, the the cop that deckard replaced was doing was going straight to the Tyrrell Tyrrell corporation Tyrrell corporation and testing their all their new employees because that's basically how they were they were trying to infiltrate was as in, like disguising themselves as new employees right and um you know like so De- deckard's called in you know and he's brought in by um gaff who is uh, edward james almost's character who is like this like very like he's a weird sort of dandy of of, of very unclear ethnic origin who speaks like a like a very odd combination of languages yeah you know, like, it, like, which I, like, from what I heard was like, I think he was like, I think Hungarian is part of the main base of what he says, but it's got other words in it, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, and Gaff is obviously like kind of, he's got this weird prickish behavior to him, you know, but like he, he, he acts like he knows more than he, than he should mm-hmm. about everything and kind of gives him smirks. And Gaff has this habit of basically making little like origami, like in rooms and like that comes up later is actually a weirdly enough it's not a plot point per se but sort of a thematic point mm-hmm. you know but like but gaff takes him into bryant makes makes deckard work you know on this case and deckard's first first idea is well i'm gonna go to the Terrell corporation and they they have a replicant there that he's going to interview with the, like to test the boy like basically to kind of get a baseline of what a replicant from the, the Terrell replicants, you know, because these Nexus Six ones are apparently very good replicants, right? And so they're gonna, he's going to get a baseline. And the, yeah, the Nexus Nexus Six, they're the, there's four of them left at this point. Yeah. And one nice. of them is this Leon dude. One of them yeah, is uh, Rutger yeah. Howard's character. Yeah, and then yeah. Daryl Hannah, and then one yeah, other. Roy chick. Batty is Rutger Howard's. Yeah. Daryl Hannah's is Pris, and then there's Zora, who is uh, played by uh, Joanna Cassidy. Oh. Yeah. That was Joanna Cassidy. That was Joanna Cassidy. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's where she came in. Anyway, so they they do realize that there's um, there's just oh a, my god yeah that's funny. I just mentioned Blake. I, I was like Joanna Cassie. What do I know her from? I didn't realize she's Eddie Rabbit's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah, that's funny. I just mentioned who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So I guess the Tillman point dropped a safe on his brother. The the, <laughs> the important part about this is that. Um, when he goes over to give the test, what I find really fascinating is that what's the name of the main guy with the glasses? It's Tyrell. Uh, oh, uh, Eldon Tyrell. He's the way, right. Eldon. I don't remember his name. Anyway, he he tells him yeah. that he wants him to use it on. He wants his to test it. His assistant, and that's Sean Young, and he uses it on her, thinking that she's human until and like and it takes him a lot of questions. It's like and after a while, like he like she's asked to leave, and it's like. You know, and he's like, "Does she even know?" Like, yeah. cause, like it took a like how many questions does it normally take? You know, like he's like, "No, twenty or so." Yeah, it's like it took you over a hundred. You know, and you know, he's like, you know, and it turns out that like she like the, the thing is she has she has no idea she's a replicant, right. which is a new idea that they that the corporation has. They're putting false memories into their replicants of like an entire life so that they kind of can cope better with their existence than like these. The replicants that are just brought into existence and being basically as full adults with no no past and being told you have four years of life. I'd also like to point something out that I realized, and I don't know if this is just because of the cut or if this is actually in there on purpose. We only see the Voight, Voight comp used on 
used in two instances and they are both on replicants. Right. So we don't have any actual, we as the audience don't have any actual evidence of what it looks like when somebody does show real empathy. They do mention it's like fluctuations in the size of the pupil and things like that. Yeah. And, and pulse rate and things like that. And and Sean Young does, uh, like Rachel does she, ask she him at one that. point. Yeah. Well, at one point Rachel does, well, she exhibits ambivalence. That's mm. why it's like it's unclear for a long time. But, um, but, um, she does actually say to Deckard at one point, like, have you ever done that on yourself? Mm-hmm. Which is, again, going into, like, a little bit of a foreshadowing of, like, a possible, you know, you know, a possible theme of this mo- of this movie. Right. But, yeah, like, no, we don't see it done on humans, you know. And she does ask him, like, have you ever, you know, have you ever killed anyone by mistake that wasn't, you know, he's like, no, mm-hmm. you know. You know, but, like, he's very certain that, like, he's good enough to do this job. The interesting thing, too, is she hands him a picture of when she, because she... Shows, well, she comes back she later. Comes, yeah, she comes that. up. She shows back up at his uh, on his doorstep, and mm-hmm. she hands him a picture of her in his surprisingly large apartment. <laughs> yeah, he's got this huge apartment with a picture of her and her mother when she was a little girl. Right. And what's interesting is that he has other pictures that other mm-hmm. apparently replicants have given or handed no, over. He steals it. He takes those pictures from Leon's apartment. Oh, oh, that's what it is. Okay. Those are actual pictures of the replicants. Oh, I see. That, remember that? Like, that's why I was that, confused. I was like, there's how? a picture of Roy Batty, and you can see. That's why he traces the background and sees Zora because of her tattoo. Right, the, the tattoo, the, the right, snake yeah. tattoo. So he finds her. Like right. he does that weird enhancement scene. Yeah. But um, and it's really funny. This movie, by the way, it's very like in some ways this movie was so predictive of the way of the way our aesthetic of our world looks, but in other ways it's totally wrong. It has like the hard copy of photographs that get enhanced. Oh you know, yeah, has, that's um, the interesting thing. They have newspapers. They have they have all the cars are really hard edges because in the eighties we did not until like until the Ford Taurus was invented in the late eighties. Yeah, you know, like I don't think we we it occurred to us that cars didn't have to have flat edges. Right. You know, it's like I I always forget that. Anyway, basically, uh, Deckard goes does some gumshoe detective work in in in, uh, in Leon's room. He finds a fake snake scale. Goes to the but street. He just, yeah, he doesn't know what it is. He, he doesn't know what it is, but he, he thinks it's a fish scale. Goes to the street, asks, asks some people he knows on the street level, you know, like, like, is this your fish? And they're like, no, that's not a fish. They zoom it in and they find out, like, you know, the serial number. It's like, it's a snake scale. Ask this guy. You know, they, you know, they go and ask, uh, you know, this, this snake guy. guy. A, this guy in a fez with all sorts of crazy glasses on. Snake um, guy. Who makes synthetic snakes. Um. Oh, yeah, you should talk about the animal thing. Yeah. It's not really made 100% clear in this movie, but having read the book, I know that in theory, and I assume the 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 the, the, the movie follows the same rules of the book in which basically animals are practically extinct. So, real animals. Like, like real animals. So, like, almost every almost every animal is a synthetic replicant. Right. Uh, you know, that people have. You know, like, you know, like, so there's, like, a fake owl in the movie. There's a fake snake in the movie, you know, and things like that. So, anyway, he finds out this snake was sold... He, he basically, you know, you know, uses some scary police brutality to find out that this snake is being was was sold to this woman working in uh, essentially a strip club, a burlesque house, I guess is yes. technically what it is. Yeah. But it's kind of like sex acty kind of. It's 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 implied that it's a lot grosser and nastier than that. Right. And uh, you know, we get the we actually get Harrison Ford doing something he does later in the Indiana Jones movies where he does the hi there guy character. Yeah, it's really weird. You know, and he, he basically pretends to be like from some sort of union that protects, uh, you know, like, you know, basically burlesque performers. So weird. Um, uh, he goes in, like, basically, basically accidentally lets slip, like, that he knows that she's a, you know, a replicant. 
and she basically knocks him down, beats him up because replicants are very much stronger than people, um, and runs off. Gives ch- you know he gives chase, ends up killing her. Wait, but but wait, but wait before we do that, she busts through. At least oh, yeah. three. Well, I was or gonna say that four. Uh, yeah, she's like running through like glass. That's the thing is that's what I was gonna go into. He buildings. ends up killing her. Yeah. And he ki- oh, I was gonna say she's running and she's in like she's in like this clear like raincoat, it's a raincoat. like over her over her basically like not much clothes because yeah. she's just getting dressed and like okay, she sparky, ran off me off off. Sorry. And um, get off. Are you a replicant? You know, so he shoot, yeah, he shoots her in the back while she's running, and she's like he hits her a couple times. She's yeah. crashing through things and like. Like there's blood everywhere, and it's and that's it, like it's building up inside the clear raincoat, so you can see it, and it's just, it's a very gross, brutal way he kills her, and it is it, it is kind of cool because you get this realization like what he's doing is kind of horrible, like he's just hunting these hunting them down like like they're like right. they're like they're rabid animals. But, but from my point of view, you have that now. But from my point of view at the time, I'm going. Yeah, he has to kill her. He has to. He has to freaking right. kill her. She won't go down. She won't go. She won't give it. And she just tried to kill him. Right. She beat the crap out of him. But then she did. ran off and left him. I know, but you don't think about that because you think he got out of it. Not that she like left him because he was fighting her back. Not she left him alive. That's your first. As the audience, the first instinct isn't necessarily that she had empathy for him and therefore left him alive. Right. And now I don't know if she actually had empathy for him and it wasn't just, I need to get away. Does, right, doesn't yeah. matter. My point is that she, that the fact that she didn't finish the job didn't feel like it was because, you know, mm. it, it felt because, you know, it felt because she was trying to be violent she would have finished the job given a better circumstance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas I don't know if that's true now having watched the whole movie. Yeah. But we're right. set up to believe that, right? And, and that's it's, my point. And it's a very yeah, like, and the way he kills her is gross it and is brutal gross looking. And, brutal. You, and it's not it's not filmed. It, it's exciting in the sense of it's got a lot of energy and action. But if you really look, it's it's almost pornographic. The violence levels. Yes, it's pretty. It's it's, and I, I think it's on it's on purpose so that when you actually look, you kind of do feel a little bit of a distaste for what yep. he's doing. Yeah. And also, he's witnessed by Leon. Yeah. You know, Leon sees the whole thing. Leon sees the whole thing. Of course, uh, you know, disappears for a while. Meanwhile, Roy and uh, Leon have, uh, at this point, they've found uh, I for- James Hong. Uh, played I can't remember the name of his character. It's like got a, uh, it's got a very weird name. Uh, but they find a, they fi- they basically find uh, James Hong plays this like old guy who makes eyes for the ter- ter- the Terrell Corporation. I can't say the word for some reason, mm-hmm. you know. And they and through him they dis- they like, he they they terrify him uh, to revealing that. J.F. Sebastian is the best way to get to the to, to see Terrell. Right. Um, J.F. Sebastian is a geneticist working for the corporation um, who lives alone, and so they go. They like they send Pris to find him, and Pris basically pretends to be a homeless girl, who needs know, which, help. She, which, which in a way she is, you know, actually. And Pris, by the way, is Daryl Hannah, and Pris is unlike Leon is like a worker of some sort. Roy Batty is a soldier. I think Zora is also a soldier or something. And but Pris is uh, they describe her as kind of a standard sex you know <laughs> sex machine basically. Yeah. So she's essentially, and that's the the other icky thing about that like this this whole society is they're you know like they're creating these like perfect human duplicates basically to be like perfect sex machines, which is just disgusting. Yeah, it's very it's a very like again like the more you th- realize about this society, the more you realize they're sick and gross. Yeah, 
you know. And I think I think that's part of the reason Deckard might have retired in the first place. I mean, Bryant kind of, uh, Emmett Walsh's character kind of blackmails him vaguely. Yeah. Like, there's some vague intimation that like there's reasons he has to do the job. You know, right. he's pulled back in, and he's pulled back in. So, you know, anyway, uh, Pris goes to Sebastian, who like also again like. Any character that could might be sympathetic has so much creepiness about him. He lives alone with his toys. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, his toys are like these genetically engineered little people and things, you know, and, and, and other like mechanically designed things. Wait a minute. Right before this happens, oh, well, I guess Pris is there. It's not until Roy comes in. But we have to talk about what happens to Leon. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're getting to that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it, alt, when, like, so when, when, uh, when, uh, back it up. Back it up. When Zora, when he's out to find Zora, yes. Deckard calls, uh, ends up calling on the video phone, super high tech, <laughs> the video phone. He, he basically FaceTimes, uh, yeah. FaceTimes Rachel and says. In a vending machine, which I find Yeah, really well, it was funny. a payphone because yeah. they had payphones then. The yeah, idea of a portable fun. phone was was less yeah, was, was less crazy. believable than the idea of a video phone. True. Um, you know, it's like $1.25, you know, like they did adjust for inflation. I imagine that's how yeah. much phone calls would cost by now if we Probably if cell phones true. hadn't replaced it. Uh, but, um, yeah, you're, the dog is making, you're making, the, the, the mic is going to pick up those noises you're making to our dog. Yes, I know. Um, okay, that's gross. <laughs> both, both of you are gross. Um, so, like, basically she says she's not going to come out, and he's like, whatever. But then she apparently did end up coming out, but you don't see that until, because what happens is basically he's cornered by Leon. Yeah. Who has seen the murder of, the, I'm going to say it, he murdered. Murdered he, he Dora. Murder, mm-hmm. Yeah. Leon basically grabs him, like, knocks his gun away from him mm-hmm. and tells him, like, you know, how's it feel to live in fear? You know, this is what it's like for us. And, like, he's just beating the crap. Like, he tries to hit, like, he hits Leon with a pipe at one point, I think. Like, he's he's hitting him, but, like, doing very little damage. And Leon, like, it's said that Leon, like, like when they're describing him earlier, it's like he could lift 400 pounds, yeah. like, weights all day long. You just feel tired. like he's a killing machine. And at one point, Leon reaches into liquid nitrogen to bring out, like, that eyeball. That oh, when they're with the, yeah. The, yeah. So Leon is, like... Like, like, like the only way to stop Leon is to kill him is what I think they said. And Leon is basically about to end Deckard's life, you know, because Deckard is unarmed, being picked up, when all of a sudden, basically, the back of his head blows off. And, it, you know, and reveal uh, Rachel has got the gun on him. Yep. And so he ends up going home with her. And she, it turns out she's on the run. Right. Like, he's been told after he gets rid of Zora that, um, like, he, like, he's like, oh, like you've got four left. He's like, I got three left. He's like, you got four now because she's on the run. Right. You know, and now that she's on the run, she's not allowed to be on Earth. Right. You know, like, well, I think as long as she was within the confines of the Terrell Corporation as, like, the, the like, the in-house, in-house, like, thing that, like, was unaware of her, of her station, you know, like, they were fine with it. But now that she's out and, and free, she's running free, and, and now she's a danger. Right. So Deckard and her go home. They have weird, creepy flirtation and, like... Well, he falls asleep and has the he dream. He falls asleep and has, that's when he has the famous unicorn dream. Like, he's basically, like, at one, like, he's leaning on a piano. And by the way, did you notice all the all the pictures in his house are, like, old? Yeah. They're not really of him or anything. Yeah. Um, but he, like, he's falling, like, he basically falls asleep on the piano in his house, um, which I think she played briefly at one point. Like, because she came by earlier, before. Yeah. And she had played it briefly, and, like, you know, when she showed him that picture. He falls asleep. And he has this dream where there's this unicorn running and, you know, cuts to him, like, and, you know, like, it's a very odd moment. And, like, it, it's not, it, it's really not followed through on until Mm-mm. the very end of the movie. Right. You don't know why that even is matter. Why that ever happened. And 
Although he does wake up and have like a an epiphany. And the epiphany he wakes up and then he that's when he puts the, the pictures in the thing and he finds Zora. So yeah, that, that's right. This yeah. actually happens earlier. That does happen earlier. You're right. Yeah, no, no. This is like he's with her and she's freaking out and whatever. And she ends up basically, like she basically takes her hair out of the incredibly severe, strange space age bun it was in. And she kind of looks more like, like it's now it's down. It's curly, wavy. And, you know, she kind of like makes herself up to look less severe and more like a like a normal person i guess however uh, she does try to leave she tries to leave and this he, is my and this least, is a weird I hate creepy this. moment I hate this and moment. i think it goes and it goes into like that whole gross noir thing of everyone's got their flaws i mean weirdly enough i think she's probably the least flawed character in the movie it, yeah. but it's just because she doesn't know she's the one who's like discovered the the most horrifying facts about herself she doesn't really you know like she's she's the most innocent victim in the entire in the entire movie right you know, but um, like, yeah, he grabs her and kind of like, there's this awkward, like, it's very awkward and very, it's very date raping. Yeah, it's very, very date raping. It's, it's, yeah, it, if if this were to be remade now, like, I would hope the scene would not be. It was really date raping. It was guys. really weird. I was like, I almost told John I was done. Like, I was gonna. Yeah, turn off it's the a, movie. it's a, like I had forgotten that scene was even in there. Mm -hmm. Like, like it, it is like I was like, wow, that is like shockingly terrible. Well, and considering what you said about Pris and and what she was bred. For, yeah, you start to wonder. You wonder like, about the whole society yeah. and what he, like what like you know, you know. But like, it's it. But it's also got that same like you know old school noir sexism that's probably like you know like it's probably like an unintentional byproduct of you that. You mean she's saying no, but she really means yes. Yeah, like well, that's what I'm saying. I think it might be an unintentional. So by gross. Yeah, it's gross. No, don't get me wrong. I do. I do think it's like, it's 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 sickening. Like I wish. Yeah, like like he forces her to kiss him. It's very gross. It's really but like gross. for some strange reason, like she like she and he actually do end up having feelings for each other, yeah. which I guess is how it makes it all right. I suppose. You know, well, no, it doesn't. I'm saying that's. I guess that's the like it it it's it's a gross part. No, it doesn't make it all right. But I suppose in the world, yeah, of the like realm of it's a film. gross part of of the movie that like it it does not hold up well, you know. But um, so basically, uh, you know. Basically, Roy and Pris have now convinced uh, Sebastian to show, you know, to, 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 to introduce them to, to Terrell so mm -hmm. that they can meet him. And Sebastian, by the way, we never mentioned, he's got this disease, like, basically, it's like, it's like Jack's disease from that movie Jack. He's got Methuselah syndrome, they call it. So he's actually only 25, even though he looks like he's, like, almost 50. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but they end up, they basically... Um, Oh yeah, and, and Deckard did promise not to hunt her, but he but he did like to to hunt uh, Sean Young. But right. but he did say that but someone else will. Yeah. You know, like like he he, he doesn't really offer any reassurance because yeah. again, it, this is a noir world, and he's a dark guy who with a dark past himself, so he's led to believe. Um, so but uh, so so Terrell basically get meets Roy because. And he gets in there because Sebastian is uh, playing a chess game with yeah, right, Terrell. Like, like and yeah, and and basically uh, Terrell like kind of like has been expecting Roy. Yeah, you know, and there's this whole like scene where it's like he's it's almost like he's like the prodigal son returning, and you know he's like oh look at you you know and he like he actually confesses to him how like, the awful things he's done and he's like it's okay you've done many wonderful things too but he's like he's trying to get he's trying to get. Terrell. Terrell. I was going to say, like, I was trying to figure the term, the word for it. But he's trying to get, like, a, a new lease on life. Yeah, like, he wants ways, him to make it make longer. It, and Terrell's like, I can't do that. It's impossible. Once your genetic code is there, that's your genetic code. Right. You were, you know, I, I couldn't do that without, like, 
basically any changes I'd make to your genetic code would destroy you because it would be like a cancer in his body. Mm-hmm. You know, it would just it would it would rip his body apart to change the genetic code now. And the thing is, though, because we know they did it on purpose, this is also like you know it's a feature, not a bug. Right. Like basically, Roy ends up kind of snapping. He very brutally murders Tyrell um, in a very gory scene. I just couldn't even watch it actually. Yeah, he was like squeezing his head and popping his eyes yeah, out. It it's really much. horrifying. It's really and then you see um, you see Sebastian run to the elevator, and then it cuts uh, to Roy in the elevator alone, and then you overhear on the radio uh, finding two bodies. Um, so obviously Roy has also killed Sebastian. Yes. And uh, meanwhile, Deckard has gone to Sebastian's place. Uh, he encounters Pris. There's a they have a little battle. She does some flips into him, and uh, you know, does try, basically uh, kind of Zignon atops him for a, a moment. But then um, he shoots her, and she dies in a very horrifying way. Yeah, it's she's a real brutal. And, yeah, yeah. Like, there, there is a very like. There's an edge of like almost like sadomasochism in this movie, and like it's the terrible. way the violence is designed. I mean, I think it's on purpose. Of course, uh, it is. But it, it's a very, oh, it's very horrifying. Roy comes in, sees she's dead, and basically is like, "Gonna kill him." Yeah. And that's where you get the final encounter. Um, Roy, like he's he's like kissed her dead face, and he's got like her blood, like he's wiping it on himself, and crying, and like he basically snaps, and like like basically. Like gives Deckard like a, a very small head start and then goes after him kind of. Uh, he's like, and he's like basically in nothing but like bike shorts. Yeah. And uh, d- like he take like he takes off his clothes just to bike shorts. And as he's chasing Deckard, uh, first of all he very quickly cripples Deckard. Like reaches through the wall of this old building, pulls Deckard's arm in, breaks his trigger fingers uh, on his gun hand, and then hands him the gun back. Yeah. And. Um, there's this very like Deckard's being chased and Batty is obviously like he's like this physical perfection and Deckard is like all Harrison Ford characters kind of a regular schmo yeah really can't you know handle. like as you pointed out that during a scene when uh, when uh, Deckard's shirtless he's like oh man Harrison Ford had an old man body even when he was a young man <laughs> you know like uh, you know like uh, he's he's definitely got this like it's so fun like yeah he's definitely like he's like he's not like as usual he doesn't like Harrison Ford traditionally doesn't know how to throw a punch that's like yeah. the joke. Like, all of his characters, they always, like, fight badly. Yeah. You know? But, um, so Harrison Ford uh, basically is being chased. Like, Deckard's being chased by, and there's this, there's a great, like, classic Here's Johnny uh, yes. moment where Deckard, uh, where uh, Batty just shoves his head through a, like, through a ceramic wall. Like, through, like, and, the kitchen. Like he's, and he's, like, he's basically, like, giving, like, he's, he's taunting him throughout, like, while Deckard's on the run, like, trying to find, like, he's, like, going up. In this house, climbing like, through climbing, through the window, like he climbs up. At one point, he climbs through a a, a hole in the ceiling, yeah. like you know, and and but and Batty. But during the chase, you see Batty is getting stranger and stranger. He's like, you know, he's like grabbing his hand. At one point, he drives a nail through his hand to try it's and like creepy. like like this very again this very masochistic thing, and it's almost like it looks like he's trying to like feel something again because he realizes he's clearly dying, starting to die, right? You know, and basically, it ends with Deckard trying to jump across a roof, uh, like a gap between buildings after he's climbed on the roof and failing to make it, then Batty leaps all the way across, like, while holding a dove. Yeah. Um, and then, like, like just when you think, and it basically he's been saying, like, like, how, like now do you see how it feels to live in fear? Yeah. You know, and he gives this, and, and he picks, but he ends up pulling Deckard up. Right. And he delivers a very famous monologue 
that ends with uh, you know his, basically all of his great memories disappear like tears in the rain. And this monologue was while not fully improvised, was very much expanded upon, right? You know, and come up with by by Rutger Hauer. You know, and it's 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 probably one of the better performances of, of like if not the best performance of his career in this movie anyway. Yeah. You know, and at that point, Batty basically like collapses like he like and he doesn't collapse like fall he just sort of like melts to the ground because he's been crouched over and then you see the dove flying off it's obvious that batty has now died his his his, you know and i think if our and and i remember reading in the in the crappy narration version there's this whole bullshit about about him dying all night and deckard being there for him and it's just stupid Um, i was gonna say that um what i found most profound about the this this monologue that he gives, you know, whatever part was expanded or not expanded, he he brings up again, which we knew at the beginning that they were essentially bred as indentured servants, as yeah. slaves. But he brings up the fact about fear and being a slave. And all of a sudden you do, you kind of like do snapshots in your own brain the way that the, when you put the picture yeah. in and it snapshots in, you almost do that in your own brain and you go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my, and you start to begin to realize that like he was, he was upset that Pris died and he's, and it's, his anger is totally justified and he's actually really yeah, sad like, and he has this like, empathy. And, like, and, and the you, thing is he's, he's, he's upset that he's been created only to die. die like, right. And, and think about it, like for our son is almost okay, can we not four. Go no, 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 I'm just saying that's as far as I'll mm-hmm. go with that. Can you imagine nope. only like being an adult though? Nope. Think about four years ago yep. and saying you're gonna die in four years. Mm-hmm. Like that's a nightmare. That, that that's torture to the these replicants. Yep. It's a, and like you know and like and everything and he's done things that most people on Earth would never have dreamed of. You know like he's like he talks about attack ships off mm-hmm. the Orion Nebula off, mm-hmm. off off the shoulder of Orion. You know and like he's like all these places and like things that he's done. You know, he's lived, lived this amazing amount in this short period of time, and it's going to be gone, and there's not going to be anything for him. Like tears in the rain. Like tears in the rain. And, uh, you know, and then, like, right after that, uh, Gaff shows up, mm-hmm. you know, like in the flying police car, you know, and, again, flying cars, but no cell phones. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Newspapers. <laughs> um, but, um, and he basically says, you know, like, it's a shame she's, you know, she's not going to live, but then again, who does? Obviously implying, uh, you know, Sean Young, Sean Young's character, and Deckard like goes home to his place, and he like he's looking for, her. he's kind of freaked out, he's calling for, her. She, and he moves the covers, and she's under the covers, and he like holds her for a second, thinking she's been killed, and then um, or she's died, and then she looks at him, and she realizes she's still alive, and he basically they decide to leave, and the hopeful part of the movie, yeah, and then yeah, it looks like they're leaving together. And they go to the elevator, and just before he goes to the elevator, like, I can't remember if he steps up or she does, but one of them steps on a foil unicorn. And he looks at that, and then you, they replay the line that Gaff just said about, uh, you know, you know, it's a shame she's not going to live, but then again, who does? Yeah. And then they leave through the door, the elevator, and then you get credits. Right. And you, you know, you don't know, you don't know if they, if they manage to escape together, and, uh, Basically, the unicorn is a wonderful little bit of amb- ambiguity, which people uh, have argued over, like since since that like was reinserted in about whether that means, you know, Deckard is actually a replicant. Right. If I remember, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ridley Scott has actually gone on record saying he does think Deckard's a replicant, and the argument there is, you know, but I think Harrison Ford and maybe the screenwriter might have said no, they don't think he is. 
Like it, it's like uh, people involved with the movie have uh, have argued, argued either way. But like the uh, the argument for that the, that scene is basically that that was a dream that Deckard has, and Deckard at one point names like the memories of Rachel's character. Yeah, like, he, he lists memories, and so the idea is you watched the if, spider if, do this, and like he this kn- like like he knows the events that are, were implanted in her brain, and you know you can look at that and say okay, then clearly Gaff knows the events that were planted into Deckard's brain because how else would he know about a unicorn? Because mm-hmm. he's been leaving these little these little ironic origami things wherever he goes. Um, and it's kind of implied, you know, that yes, he knows this. You know, it's kind of a like a like a half mocking, like sort of like, I know I know this about you because he's always been this weird, ambiguous character. Right. Uh, the the other flip side of that, mm-hmm. the other interpretation I've heard is that that is showing that we all dream. You know, do androids dream of electric sheep? You know, right. like we all dream, and like, why? Like, are the replicants any different than us? Like, right. does it matter who's a replicant? Right, is, is the other interpretation I've heard of that. Right, um, and I, I remember last night it actually occurred to me that like the, like, the for the replicant theory, like it never even occurred to me that like for all we know we are seeing his very first day on Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like, like he talks about like he talks about like he knows he's quit. And like, you know, like, and like, why do I have to go back to doing this? And he's kind of blackmailed into doing it. For all we know, all those memories, because it's very vague, all those memories have been implanted into him. And this is actually him doing his first job. Right. You know, because those prototypes would be fairly new. Right. You know, like the Sean Young character, Rachel is like a new prototype that has these memories. We don't know how old she is, you know, but we know she's at least under four years old, right. <laughs> you know. But um, so it's entirely possible that like all of Deckard's past has been put into his brain and like he basically just started yeah it's a i mean it's an interesting theory but it's it's one that it's fun to have the discussion again like i I like that the movie doesn't answer that yeah me too because i think it it makes it it makes it something that like is uh you know you know like it that like can be just you know argued over it doesn't it's not like while i think jacob's ladder is a great movie it's like i do think with jacob's ladder like the argument is just hey you idiot how can you not tell the what this is, what happened right. i'm not going to spoil it right. for anyone who hasn't seen it but like i think jacob's ladder it's a ladder, 90s movie isn't it McKinney? no it's actually i think it's 88 or something we might have to do it maybe at some point but like but like like i don't know i, I actually don't think so because i like weirdly enough i'm okay with spoiling blade runner because i feel like most people have seen blade runner who are going to care yeah but but i think jacob's ladder is one that like enough people haven't seen that like like i feel like we'd spoil it too much yeah you might be right like so and plus okay. i don't know what i talk about other than jesus that's a creepy movie oh, you know i love that movie so much yeah it's, but like but like again yeah. i do think there is only one rational yeah. explanation for for what goes on in in, in yeah. jacob's ladder it, you have to pay really close attention to get it, but like it, it's not ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this movie is ambiguous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily give you enough to be sh- be certain of anything, right? Which so, is a, both a blessing and a, and a curse for it. So, John, I have a question for you: Was Blade Runner worth revisiting? I think definitely it was. It is a movie that, like, again, I I have the weirdest mixed feelings about it because I do see it's it's a very flawed movie. Yeah, it's 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 pace is very slow, you know. It's very hard to follow, like what's going on and why things why things are happening the way they are. It's it, you know, like again, it's just languidly paced. It's yeah, like you know, it, it it can get dull, you know, when you're not caught up in the visuals of it. Right. You know, and it again, there's not 
there's actually not a lot of plot there really when you get down to it mm-hmm. you know but but again it 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 has like it, like the cast really like does a great job it's very you know like it 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 works it has a it has a wonderful feel of like just filthy noir it makes you feel like it's you need a shower afterwards kind yeah. of noir you know and again it's not it's not an action packed sci-fi movie right but it is it is definitely worth watching it's definitely well revisiting like, yeah revisiting it's definitely it's a smarter movie than like i think i think the problem was people did not realize it was going to be as smart as it was right you know i think they were expecting more of a thriller and like it wasn't what it was mm-hmm. and so Allie, was it worth watching I'm I'm mixed on this. Um, I I I'm. It was worth having been watched. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I I, I don't it. know that I enjoyed myself while watching it. Yeah. It's I don't not think fun. I enjoyed the movie. But what I am enjoying is everything that I ha- am thinking about the movie after having seen the movie right. and all the the questions it brings up and all the morality and all the that that mind taffy. I think is brilliant, and I want to explore that further. Um, I, I think you're right. I, I think it's a movie that's more fun to talk about than to actually watch. Yeah, like, but I think also I wonder. I I I bet it was more fun for you this time, showing it to me, who's never seen it before. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think that well, there, I yeah, because would... there there are some there there are some real also aside from just the fact that it's got this cleverness, there's some really great individual moments yes. in it, and like classic bits. Like in it that like I like it's like watching you get to see that for the first time yes. and maybe even to catch references because I, I'm sure you've heard someone say build a better life on the offshore on the off world colonies or things like that yeah. which you know like which which is what the blimps flying by like are broadcasting a lot and things like that or you know like 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 getting you to see like the the Roy Batty scenes you yes. know like getting to see all the like just the generalized creepiness of the movie and like the the the, the air of like strangeness to it yeah. So that part of it, um, so I, I could honestly say no, it wasn't, it wasn't worth watching. It was worth having watched it, yes. so that I can now, yeah, be be weird in my own brain about you're, it. You're yeah. in the club. I'm oh, the and, club. And, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and something, and something. Just, just, just as a weird side note, one of the weirdest things, like, I, like I've mentioned, there, it made some good and some bad predictions about the future. I remember seeing the 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 commercials for this when I was a kid I was like six when it came out I guess mm-hmm. and the funniest thing about that movie like about it to me the weirdest thing at that point seeing those commercials was Harrison Ford's hair yes looked so strange to me because it was like this cropped but not like it wasn't like a crew cut it was like this evenly it was like someone basically just took a buzzer and put it on like a like a two or three setting and just buzzed his head a floby no well, not floby just a buzz cut come on but uh floby no, not a floby. But but um, but the thing is, at that time, that that was a very strange haircut for a man to have. But yeah. like in ten years, that was a very blunt. I've had that haircut. Uh-huh. You know, like but like as a kid, it was like like my in my mind, Harrison Ford had his like seventies, early eighties Han Solo hair, right. or his Indiana Jones hair from like there was period hair. You know, like but like I just it did not it 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 threw me mm-hmm. that like that hairstyle just looked strange to me, and it was just because at the time we were kids. Hairstyles were men's hairstyles were a little longer, and they were always like coiffed and designed. You know, they were never like just like just oh here's a short close cropped thing because it was it didn't look military because it wasn't it didn't have the high and tight thing. It just looked close cropped, and that just wasn't done. So um so yeah so Blade Runner yo 
And um, if uh... that was the worst segue <laughs> in the history, of, and I'm including like a custom segue machine. Um, that was uh, the worst. Sorry, I have a dog on my lap, and he's distracting uh, yeah, he the heck out of me. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I guess that's wrapping up our episode. And so if you uh, have any questions or comments about Blade Runner or about the '80s or about our relationship in general and why we continue to do this to Jeez, ourselves, when we obviously hate each other, um, you know, you can ask us. Uh, by contacting us via email at matchmadeinspace at gmail.com mm-hmm. or by Twitter at, MM, at MMIS Podcast. You can also follow either of us. I am located at Hitler Puncher. She is located at ALI underscore Goodman. Yeah. Uh, you, you've probably found us through our website, matchmadeinspace.com, or maybe you just found us on iTunes. Either way, if you want to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be awesome. Sure would. Um, you know, and maybe maybe inspire us to continue to be at least somewhat on track. We have a... We, I, I do apologize for this episode being long, meandering, and confusing, but hey, we that were talking was about the Blade movie, Runner. right? I was also going to just point out that... Um, we know we have, you know, a, a few Legion of Fan or a Legion right. of Fan. I don't even know how you would put oh, that. Oh, and for those people? <laughs> um, uh, we are we are going to be putting some um, together a couple of special uh, episodes that were. Well, know, we, we haven't really gotten to the point of deciding how we're going to do this. Though. No, exactly. But I want I'm giving we were, I'm teasing well, them. I'm teasing well, yeah. Them well, 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 we because we're we're thinking about putting together some sort of Patreon or something. Yeah, but um, it, whether we do that or not, we may you know it, maybe if we get a hundred followers or something like that. Oh, you know, I see. So we might do a special episode. Yes, for that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We so, probably should have talked about that. Before well, I'm we talking were, about it now. Before so, we announced it on so, air. So, so if you rate and review us, that also helps other people find us, as well as if you. Uh, share our, you know, info <laughs> so that people will listen to us and download us and therefore we get more people following us and sh- shove them yeah. over to our, our uh, Twitter, then we we will then know we have more fan. Yes, okay. Of Legion. I got it. Yeah, I, I, get, what, I get what you're saying. And then there. it will inspire us to maybe do a do more. special episode. Uh, and, speaking of special episodes, yeah. we are coming up. This is uh, our 24th. We yes. are coming up on our 25th episode. We are going to be doing... Well, 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 let's just say it, we're going to be doing one we've both seen, and it is uh, a movie that was very popular at the time. I don't think it's aged well, although I haven't seen it in a long time, mm-hmm. but my memory of it, of the things that happen in it, means this is a very popular but very uh, problematic 80s movie. You will probably hear a lot of um, frustration and anger. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. From so, me. Uh, but basically the only thing keeping us from recording that right now is we're still making sure like we can find a copy of it yeah. <laughs> because uh, it's not something that we but I promise you you've seen this movie or at least know it very well yeah so we're gonna be doing that that's gonna be our uh, our special 25th uh, 25th uh, anniversary episode <laughs> yeah anniversary you know, 25th episode 25th, well it's the 25th episode anniversary but we do a lot of uh, off the beaten path more obscure. Well, I don't, I don't know how obscure most of our most of our movies have been fairly well known, but this one, this one is this one was a big mega hit, and it really kind of launched a lot of careers. launched a lot of low level careers. Yeah. Mostly didn't launch careers. But <laughs> it, launched, it launched a franchise, and it was part of a yeah. It, it's not good though. It's not. Good. Uh, at least I don't think it is. Uh, maybe maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe yeah. I'll be like, oh my god, this movie's much better than I remember it. No, but, no probably not. No. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. We've uh, we've been uh, nattering on way too long. We have nattered. Natter, natter, natter. It's been uh, it's been a it's been a joy. We haven't we haven't talked about blessing. any like fake soap operas. We haven't. No, uh, really, we didn't do that. Nothing. No, no cool explosion discussions. No, we didn't nothing. do that either. No, we didn't so, even bring up Catcher in the Rye. 
my my anger of Catcher in the Rye will come out in the next movie. I promise. Although it won't be about Catcher in the Rye. Um, I, I'm confused and I don't understand that, but I, I will I will I will trust you. Just my anger, my anger in general. Okay. All yes. right. So uh, this is a match made in space. Signing off. Adios. Adios.